Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. But thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. I've been staging residential property homes in the San Francisco Bay Area for about three years now. I visit just about every neighborhood and every price range, from like $700 studios, insane I know, to $8 million homes. I usually never know the history of the property or the current sellers, but sometimes I do get insight from real estate agents that the family is growing and needs more room, the daughter is selling her pasted parents' home, a divorce, etc. I have, only on a few occasions, felt some not-so-welcoming energy in homes, I guess you could say. Maybe I walk a little quicker out of a room, or maybe I think that I saw someone walk past me through a doorway when there was nobody there, but nothing really threatening or anything. That is, until today. So I'm sitting in this really nice empty home, overlooking the ocean in San Francisco, just leaning against a wall in a room off the living room, the movers are outside loading the furniture into the garage to prep for our stage in three days. As I sit there in this quiet empty home, up against a wall with a bathroom on my right and a closet to my left, just looking at my phone, I hear the most guttural deep and high-pitched growl or scream come directly from behind me. Now, I'm up against a wall so there is nothing but the bathroom and the closet behind me, I paused and sat there for a minute and then got up to look out the windows thinking that it must be a dog outside or something, but there was nothing. I immediately felt very uneasy and suddenly frightened. I leave the house and wait with the movers, 
closed up and I just left. I have never heard anything like this or felt so unwelcome in an empty home. This is a recollection of a camp out that I had a few summers ago and the exact details have started to become fuzzy but I'll try to relay it as best as I can. So it's a Boy Scout camp, Northern Wisconsin. I'm sure you can probably guess which one. It's got a smiling tent as a mascot. There's maybe a little over a dozen of us, some scout leaders too, all within a little clearing that makes up where one of the many troops are set up. Two boys to each tent at this point, me and my best friend from very, very early childhood are tent buddies, and on maybe the third night at this camp is when this happens. So, I remember falling asleep pretty normally. It's dark and I wasn't the last one to leave the campfire after dinner. Me and my friend both were in our sleeping bags on opposite sides of the tent. Our bags are at our side and our hiking boots right by the door, carefully removed when we entered the tent. Eventually, I wake up to strange sounds, hard breathing or maybe soft grunting or whatever. It's the dead of night, like two or three in the morning. Must have been around that time. I'm sort of frozen and I look around at the walls of the tent, but nothing seems amiss. Just this heavy, low breathing sound. It was then that I see my buddy is awake as well, and we're both frozen and terrified. He starts to say something, but... I put my finger to my lips and make the shushing gesture. Behind his head where he was laying, something is brushing up against the tent, poking into the artificial fabric, almost sort of antler-like. I also could have sworn that I heard someone say, hello, is anyone there? My friend then sees this and lets out a small gasp. Something pokes through the tent suddenly, sharp and black, a loud exhale and then whatever it was just steps back. We hear branches crunch and twigs snap fading into the distance. We stay awake for another hour and in hushed whisper try to rationalize what the heck just happened, asking if we should check outside the tent. We both don't remember falling asleep again, but we wake up in the morning. The hole in the tent is there, along with three to four more similar ones on various sides of it. By the time the other boys in the camp were waking up, I had the courage to check around the tent to see if there's any footprints, broken twigs, or something to determine just what was outside of our tent. And behind our tent were bare human footprints. They circled around our tent several times, but never did they lead to or from the tent. Just three to four rings of footprints that looped around it. We asked around to see if anybody had actually pulled a prank on us, but everyone that was there swore that they hadn't. Whatever happened, me and my buddy talked about it a few times on that trip, but these days, we refuse to talk about it again. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, 
and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. For context, I live in the woods of southern West Virginia, deep in the Appalachian wilderness. I'm an hour and a half away from any large city, and another 30 minutes from the nearest Walmart. Needless to say, I'm in the middle of nowhere. Yesterday I came home to a, a strange feeling that I was being watched. I thought that it might have been coyotes. So being the homesteader that I am, I sat outside with my gun and LGB, livestock guardian dog, and waited for them to come for my chickens. My dog was alerting me to the presence of something, but when he would get close to where it was, it just seemed to disappear. He would stick his nose in the air and catch wind of where it was and run to it, never finding anything. Fast forward to tonight and I have the same feeling. I take my light outside and shine it at the edge of the woods. And that was when I notice eyes staring at me. This is odd too considering that my 150 pound LGB is going nuts barking and looking for this thing. And it's sitting still not moving. I walk right up to it and I see a bobcat looking me dead in the eyes from 10 feet away. It looked away from me and walked around a tree, completely not paying attention to me. Now, for those who live in the city, bobcats are extremely rare to see, let alone come within 10 feet of shining a light directly on it. I pulled my pistol out to shoot it, and it didn't go off. I racked it back and tried again, and still nothing. It felt like something was holding my trigger back almost, I ran inside to get my shotgun at this point, and I followed it into the woods about a quarter mile before I finally lost it. Keep in mind, it never once ran from me, but instead walked slowly, as if it was trying to lead me somewhere. When I came back out with the shotgun and followed it into the woods, as soon as I crossed the wood line, fog rolled in as if someone had a fog machine and was aiming it right at me. I mean, I couldn't see five feet in front of me. About the time that I turn around to come home, I see through the trees faintly my fiancé standing on the porch, looking back and forth from me and a spot far away behind my house in the woods. 
I came back down and she was freaking out. She said that she heard me screaming, like screaming murder for her to help me. She said that I was screaming her name and helped me from well over another quarter mile from where I actually was. She came outside to help me when she saw my light in the opposite direction of where she was still hearing the screaming coming from. But during this whole thing, I never heard screaming once though, and I obviously never screamed myself. However, I had the constant feeling of being followed and watched that entire time, but I could never find out what was doing it. The night is young though, and... Quite honestly, I'm sort of expecting things to get a bit weirder tonight. If anything happens, then I'll be sure to post an update. But do wish me luck. I'm 17 now, but this happened from when I was roughly 5 to 8. Because this happened so long ago, I'm sure that there are a lot of things that I've forgotten over time or unintentionally blocked out. But around the time that I started kindergarten, we'd moved to a complex where I got a room of my own for the first time. I remember being scared to have a room all to myself, so I would always make sure my closet door was firmly closed, because I was pretty scared of monsters in my closet. I think this might have stemmed from my mum watching a lot of horror content around me or maybe just a general childish fear, I guess. I do remember it being shortly after we had moved in though that I woke up when it was dark out and I could tell by my window that was to the right of my bed. My closet door opened and this boy hovered very low to the ground still, maybe an inch off given that he seemed about my height or size but didn't make a sound as he walked out of the closet and walked in a straight path from my closet to the window but he stopped midway at the foot of my bed and just seemed to stare at me. His face was like melted glass similar to the longer face ghost kid from Caroline. Sorry if you don't know that but that's the only example that I can think of. But he wore a sailor suit very similar to the results that you get for searching 1950s boys sailor suit. I remember wanting to scream, but for some reason I couldn't. I hid under my blankets for a long time, and I don't remember what happened after that, but I assume that eventually I must have fallen asleep. Now, it might have been a few days, or maybe even a week, but I saw him again shortly after this. It was roughly the exact same encounter, so it doesn't stand out in my brain, but... Over the course of a few months, I had the courage to look back at him. I was very scared, but he would never do anything, and I think that I knew that. I mean, he never attempted to, like, climb on my bed or anything or get closer to me. He only ever stopped and just sort of stared at me, and that never seemed to change. After I started looking at him, I learned that after he left the foot of my bed, he would go to the wall on my left and form a hole in my wall that he would then go through. I remember there were a few times that I would get up in the morning and try to see the portal or whatever it was, but of course it was never there. There was a long time of build-up too, but eventually I just wasn't scared anymore and I remember the feeling of not being afraid when I looked back at him. After I wasn't scared anymore, I was able to get out of my bed 
right after he would leave and try to go through the portal, but it would close before I could get to the wall. I remember one specific night, though, where he just didn't show up, and I got confused because by that time it had become a routine to see him every night. I got up and looked out my window to see him feeding the deer on the property. Deer are pretty common in this area. He didn't look up at me or anything, but I remember just sort of staring at him. After we moved away from the complex, I never experienced anything close to this or ever had him appear in a dream or anything. Other small details I want to add as well is that he only seemed to exist in the complex. He never appeared in my school or daycare or anywhere else. My mum told me a few years ago that neighbours in the complex would tell her that I would play games by myself, but seemingly pretend that I was playing with another person. But I myself have no memory of that, so I don't know how reliable that actually is. From what I remember, no other kid in the complex experienced anything similar to this, including my two sisters who shared a room across from mine. I would tell people about the boy that I would see, but they all reacted a bit weird. It's also taken me a long time to come to the conclusion that this was probably paranormal, so I guess I just wanted to share it, and I want to know if anyone has had any similar memories that they carry with them. Like I said, my memories probably changed a bit over time, so take everything that I said with a bit of a grain of salt, but what I do remember very clearly is that there was this boy, and he would come into my room every night. So, to give you a little bit of background information on this story, I would like to start with the fact that I'm European. I've shared another story a couple of months back about something that happened to me in Tuscany, Italy. As for me and my friends in this story, well, we're from Spain and when this happened, end of September 2023, we were fairly new to the US. I moved here a while back for law school and so did my friends. We'd been living here for a few months and decided to explore the nature of this beautiful continent, as we all live in New York City. So, long story short, we decided to go on a road trip to Canada, drive around Lake Ontario, and then drive back to New York City through upstate New York. I'm a male and my friends were three females. Their names are Lisa, Anna, and Charlotte. And everything went super smooth until the last night. So, for our last night, we had rented an off-grid cabin in a remote area in the woods in upstate New York. To give some locals an idea, we were like half an hour drive from Harrisburg, I think. Me and Lisa had decided to spend one night in this cabin because it was one with nature. The cabin was super old, made from logwood, and there was no running water or electricity. Both me and Lisa had experience with survival in the wild in Europe... I for myself had been a boy scout my whole life and even was a scout leader for a while. Our other two friends were, as much as I love them, purebred city girls. They had pretty much zero experience with camping or to just be in place where there's no service for the phone or whatever, as was the case in this cabin. We had been driving all day to get there and when we reached the beginning of the forest, it was already past 10pm and was really dark that night. While driving to this place, 
We lost internet connection with the GPS and so I had to drive to the cabin on intuition paired with a good old fashioned map, hoping for the best while trying to drive safe on these muddy trails. It was also rainy the whole day as well. On the way there, Anna and Charlotte were in the back of the car and the moment that they lost phone service, they got pretty uneasy for the rest of the ride. All of a sudden though, in the pitch black darkness of the forest, we all saw a campfire but there were no houses around or people, just a, a campfire, a well organized one since the fire was not spreading and it was not as big as a bonfire or anything. It kind of startled all of us as this was a little bit weird since there was no one around and we were really deep in the forest already. Plus, it was getting pretty late at this point. But when this happened, we also reached the end of the trail and we figured that we'd taken the wrong trail at a crossroads before or something. So I turned around and we were on our way again. Half an hour later and a couple of wrong trails later as well, we finally had arrived at our destination as we could finally see the first glimpse of this godforsaken cabin in the middle of nowhere. To give you a bit of an idea of just how old it was as well, the potty was made out of wood and was outside of the cabin. When we arrived, it was still raining and both Anna and Lisa were definitely not in the mood for getting out of the car and getting in the cabin with zero lights was freaking them out too. So me and Lisa left the lights of the car on and went inside the cabin while also using our phone flashlights to check the cabin out and see if we could find any old flashlights, which we did in the end, and to see if we could turn on the fireplace, which we didn't because all the wood was still wet from the rain and it seemed as if nobody had prepared dry wood anywhere as well. So with a couple of old flashlights and a small improvised fire, I managed to make in the stove and we all four got into the cabin and I started to make some pasta for us. Meanwhile, the girls were preparing the beds and closing the windows since it was already cold in this part of the state. The cabin had a small ladder which led to an elevated room or space with a bed where all three of the girls could fit in. And I would sleep downstairs in a bunk bed that seemed older than the First World War. While making pasta, Anna, one of the city girls, came up to me and, knowing that both Lisa and Charlotte did not like to hear anything scary at night, told me that she had seen an old cemetery in the middle of the forest on the way to our cabin and that she had seen a figure walking around there. I first laughed it off as nothing, as I mentioned in my previous story, I do not consider myself a big believer of scary stuff. Being from Spain, we take promises very seriously, to swear on God is very serious for us and she swore that she was not lying. I told her that I believed her but that there was really no need to panic as I would lock all the doors when we would go to sleep at night. We had some pasta and managed to make a couple of s'mores, which are lovely by the way, and drank a couple of beers or at least I did. They all just had one. I can assure you that I'm not a drunk after a couple of beers and that I would never start to hallucinate or anything too. I'm just saying this in case anyone thinks that I saw stuff because of the beer or whatever. But they all three went to sleep pretty early after finishing the s'mores and their beer and I, considering that I really love the outdoors and that I don't really mind a little bit of rain, decided to take my last beer and a flashlight outside to the front porch, also very old and made of wood and sat myself down with my beer while enjoying the sound of the rain and the lovely sight of not seeing a single light in the distance. 
I could greatly appreciate this coming from New York City, and I just scanned the area around with my flashlight. There was really not much to see, I guess, but there were a lot of trees and a small creek a little bit further away. All I could hear was the wind, the rain, and the running water down in the creek. That was until I suddenly heard what I would describe as a weird sort of roar. The first thing that came to my mind was a bear, but I had researched pretty well before our trip, and I knew bears were not common at all in this part of the state. I also know what a bear roar would sound like, and it just didn't resemble that. Except for the fact that it was a deep roar, I guess, if you get what I mean, but startled, but not really scared, I guess. I continued to scan the rest of the forest for as far as I could see from the porch. And it was then when my eye caught the glimpse of a figure, well hidden deep into the tree line. I would describe the figure as tall. As a reference, I'm 6'4", and I thought this thing was at least a foot or two higher than me. It was well hidden because it had brown fur. That's what I think it was at least, or the skin in any case. It blended in well with the trees in autumn. It was definitely aware of our presence as I saw two eyes glimpsing into my flashlight. I couldn't tell you what it was, but I swear that it was not a bear. Whatever it was, it was bipedal and had rather long arms, I would say. We looked at each other for what seemed like an eternity, but it was probably more like five seconds before it just suddenly vanished behind a tree and I heard another roar. It was then too that I felt all of the hair on my body stand up and I was definitely very much scared. I went inside as quick as I could and locked all the doors and closed all the curtains. I quickly went to bed and tried to wave it off as just my exhaustion of driving all day, playing tricks on me, but I promise you that whatever this was, it was real. After an hour or so, I had finally calmed down and I went to sleep. The rest of the night was pretty uneventful really and the next morning when I went to relieve myself after having drank beer the night before, the weather had cleared up a bit and it was pretty sunny and as far as I could see, the forest was calm and beautiful again. No sight of any animals or anything abnormal. We had a nice breakfast that morning and left for our way back to the city that never sleeps. And so ends also my story of that night. I never talked about what I saw that night because I know all three girls did not like to hear scary stories. And I figured that after all these months that this was the best place to share it. If anyone has any idea of what it could have been then feel free to enlighten me. Especially if it's backed up with rational reasoning. Something tells me though based on those long arms that whatever it was it was not common to the area. This happened about eight years ago now, almost to the day in fact. So I was living in one city and working in another city about 20 minutes away. Since then the areas between have been hugely developed but at that time, everything between these cities was just undeveloped back roads with nothing around. No buildings, no sidewalks, no lights, just rough old roads until you get into the other city. 
To get to work on time, I had to leave my house at 3.30 in the morning. And one morning, I jolted awake at 3.20, full of adrenaline as I realized that I only had 10 minutes to get myself ready and set my dog to be alone while I was at work. Needless to say, the circumstances had me highly alert, rushing and focused. Also, I was driving a lot faster that day, but I drove down this road every day as I went to work. I usually take that time to wake up, but this time I was wide awake. All I could think about was what would happen if I ended up being late for work. I was really anxious when suddenly my headlights shone upon something in the distance ahead of me. Now, what I saw was a naked, skinless man crossing the road on foot. When I say skinless, imagine those diagrams in your life science classes, everything beneath the skin revealed and intact, except in this case with a sort of shiny wet appearance, bright pinks and reds all over, like literally a living skinless person, no clothes, no shoes and notably appearing oddly content. He seemed strangely at ease considering that he was crossing the road into nothingness in front of a speeding car in the dark at 3.45 in the morning. There was no walking space suitable for humans out there for like miles as well. And the area that he was walking into was pitch black, nothing there but weeds and rocks. The direction that he was coming from, the same. No light, nowhere to roam, nothing. Now, like I said, I was sober and super awake at this point, so I have no doubt in my mind that I wasn't hallucinating or tripping or anything. But I have no idea what it was that I saw that day. It was 1998. I was eight years old and visiting my dad's childhood home. The town where he grew up was so small that you could drive through it within 10 minutes. I still remember the smell of steak from the mum and pop owned restaurant, the sweet cookies from the bakery and even the cigarette smoke from the hair salon that my grandma used to run out of her basement from 15 years earlier. The house, it had to have been built in the early 1900s. The floors creaked and there were vines all over the front of the house that my dad wanted to get rid of but my grandma liked the way that they looked. It gave her privacy, she said. My brother slept in my dad's old room, which was primarily blue. I remember the Chicago sports team posters on the wall, edges torn and frayed from time and the occasional water damage. Out of the two remaining rooms, I chose my grandmother's linen room and my parents took the spare room downstairs. I remember the room being sort of frilly. White frilly curtains matched the white lace comforter on the bed. Her sewing machine in the far right corner, in front of the window where she would watch my dad play in the backyard. My dad playfully whispered, that's the haunted room, you know. My dad was and still is a bit of a jokester. I remember scrunching my nose at him and put my suitcase on the floor in front of the bed. Little did I know, though, that he wasn't kidding. My biggest worry was that I would wake up in a puddle from my four-year-old sister who shared the bed with me that night. I remember waking up in the middle of the night though and sort of looking around. Everything was dark except for the dim light that came from the bathroom down the hallway. 
The shadows from the sewing machines hit the wall and looked like boxcars. I turned over to face the left side of the room and that was when I saw her. At first I thought it was my mum, a silhouette of a woman who was standing in the doorway of the room. She was wearing a white dress. My mum didn't wear dresses, not even a nightgown. She had long fine hair and my mum had the typical fluffy 90s do cut at her shoulders. I quickly realized that this wasn't my mum and panic suddenly set in. She was all white, skin, hair, dress, everything. I remember that she also had a sort of subtle glow about her. She was leaning on the doorframe, watching us sleep. Her head was tilted to the side, resting on her right hand that was being supported by her elbow against the frame. I guess I could say that I wasn't scared, but... She was terrifying, but sort of comforting at the same time. It was sort of like she was watching her own children sleeping, lovingly. I remember closing my eyes and praying that she wouldn't come near me, and she never did. The next morning, I went to the kitchen where my grandma was already awake, making us breakfast. Waffles with several different syrups and a huge bowl of assorted fruit... I didn't talk or eat much for the majority of breakfast, and my dad definitely took notice. After a few minutes of coaxing, I finally told him what I saw, and he immediately looked at my grandma and said, See, I told you. I've always wanted my own dog. I put a lot of research into it and decided to get a Burmese mountain dog, which my mum graciously paid for part of as a graduation present. One thing to know about this breed, and my dog in specific, is that they are very friendly and don't know a stranger. Before getting him, I saw videos of the same breed just napping while repair people came into the backyard. This was not an issue for me. I mean, we have a very protective St. Bernard at home and... I didn't think that we needed a second guard dog, and as I wanted to be able to take my dog out, it was better for him to be friendly anyway. So around October, when a chill was just starting to form in the air, a friend and I, we decided to get some pumpkin-flavored coffee for us and a pup cup for Sirius and go to a local park to get him some exercise, now that it wasn't too hot for him outside, and to smoke some as well. This is not one of the nicer parks, it used to have a dog park attached to it, but due to flood damage, continuous as well, it was closed down and now the area where it used to be is mostly secluded. And there's plenty of people who use that to their advantage and do drugs there as well. There's also lots of families on the weekends that go there as well, but this was the middle of the week during school and work hours, so the park was pretty empty when we got there. As we walked past a man who was training for something that I'm not sure that I'd like to know about, to be honest. He was carrying a full army pack and was drenched in sweat. And when I later told my stepdad about this, he said that he had seen the same guy running along the main road where there are no sidewalks. Sirius completely ignored him. We also met a couple who had a Rottweiler puppy a few months younger than my dog. And we stopped to let them play for a moment and talk to the couple. Sirius had absolutely no issues with the pair and was very happy to receive pets from them as well. 
Eventually, we got to the location we were planning to smoke at, directly underneath the train tracks, which is the most secluded location in the park. There's only one path to get to it, unlike the rest of the park that sort of loops around. This area used to be a road, but it was purchased by the city for the park, so it's empty besides a house or two just past the barriers. We were there for maybe around 30 minutes before an older man walks by, gives us a how's it going, the way people do when you pass them on a walk, and turns around and walks back the other way. A little while later, he passes back again and notices us still sitting there, stops and says, Are you girls alright? Are you waiting on a ride? This did creep me out a bit, but I tend to be overly cautious, so I say, Oh no, we're okay, which was completely true. I mean, I had driven there and I was still nowhere sober enough to drive, and we were just enjoying the nice weather before it got too cold. He responds by telling us to have a nice day and turns around. Sirius, through these interactions, just continued to play with his stick that he was chewing on. I mention these encounters just to solidify how absolutely strange the next one was. So, soon after, a man who seemed to be in his late 40s or early 50s starts to walk toward us. Instead of turning around like the other man had done... He starts to walk toward us, and Sirius absolutely loses it, barking and growling at this man and attempting to lunge at him. Despite the fact that he was only around 7 months old at this time, Sirius was a big dog, probably around 70 pounds at this point, and the man was very freaked out and continues past us, walking faster and keeping his distance. However, like I said earlier, there's nothing behind us besides an empty road and thick heavy woods. My friend and I continued to sit there talking until I was sure enough that he was gone. That was weird, right? I asked my friend around 30 minutes later. She agreed with me. I mean, where did he even go anyway? That was something I hadn't considered at that time, but looking around I couldn't think of anywhere that he could have been. Because we're high and stupid though, we come up with the brilliant idea to wait and see if he passes us again. And if he doesn't, we'd walk towards the road behind us to see if there were houses that he could have gone to. However, him living in one seemed pretty unlikely. I mean, he was dressed for hiking clearly with one of those backpacks specifically made for it. And if he lived so close, I didn't think that he'd be dressed up for a hike or anything. He doesn't pass us again, so we walk up the small hill and past the barricade. There's around three houses just past it, all pretty run down, and the second that we got to the first one, a man comes out on this porch with a gun and just stares at us. So, safe to say that the people who live there aren't a fan of people from the park on their property. I don't know if that's connected, but... I think the only solution is that he went into the woods. I've never seen my dog act like that before and I haven't seen him act like that since then. Every other time he acts like everyone he meets is known for life. I've always thought that dogs have better instincts than us and I think that this just proved it for me. We're both pretty small girls, around 100 pounds and under 5'5", five five, and it's scary to think what could have happened had my dog not been with us. And, I mean, we had no way to defend ourselves in such a secluded area. 
Like I said, this place was like forest beyond us, so really there was no reason for this guy to go there. My hunch is that he actually passed us, realized that our dog wasn't going to let him get near us, and ended up just continuing walking so that he didn't look too suspicious. It's either that or he was involved in something in that house. Which begs the question, what the heck is going on in that dilapidated house? G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.